Welcome to No Applause, Just the Clap. I am Deb, and the gentleman sitting next to me that once sent me a text message that said, Damn shit got real about Veronica Mars is Doug. Hello. So, we both recently went and saw the new Star Trek in the Hold darkness. on, before we, before we even start there. Just so you know, there's going to be a ton of spoilers. I know I say that every show, but this time, it's accurate. Um, both uh, television and movies... Um, things that have ended and come out we're going to be talking about today. So if you haven't seen... Um, Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness. Arrow Season 1. Arrow Season 1. And possibly Arrested Development and Iron Man 3. Um, we'll be talking about that. I'll actually probably talk about Thor and Iron Man 2 as well. Which, if you haven't seen by now, since the Avengers made $1.8 billion, where have you been? I, I will admit, I still haven't watched Captain America. That's all right. It wasn't very good. It's more the fact that, you know, it's like Wolverine. If if super hot Chris Evans can't save that movie, I don't know if I should put in the time. Um, I wasn't a big fan of how... One, they didn't meld, like, the science fiction and the World War II stuff very much. Or, or they didn't. Or they didn't, I'm yeah. Always, I'm always pro the cult or sci-fi elements coming into World War II because you can't tell me that the Nazis didn't experiment with a lot of that because they totally did. You know, just like Nancy Reagan had a huge thing for psychics. Yes. Uh, uh, well, I mean, Hellboy did it really well. And I know that's a cult versus um, science fiction, but... Well, I'm just saying they were reaching out to something other than the norm. Um, which the Nazis totally did a bunch of. Not saying that we didn't as well. It's just, you right. know, we apparently hit it better. or It's not as fun to write about. Well, absolutely. There's uh, an entire time travel episode of uh, the BBC show The Misfits where... Or just misfits, um, where yeah, the guy goes back to kill Hitler and accidentally drops his cell phone, <laughs> and uh, it ends up that the Nazis have taken over um, when they go slingshot back to the present. Because of a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, it's just this moment of Hitler picking up the uh, the cell phone, going like "Bossy's das," <laughs> and um, say that just you say killing Hitler, and all I can think is the Futurama episode where. They get the forward-moving time machine. And they kill Hitler, what, twice? No, first he kills Hitler, and then he uh, the professor just wants to shoot out the window, and he accidentally hits Eleanor Roosevelt instead. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I think of the Doctor Who Let's Kill Hitler episode. That was good. Um, oh, I don't know. So let's, let's start with, that I've been wanting to talk about since I finally saw it. You and saw I saw it before, it before you, and I had to wait, yeah. Yeah, and I dodged spoilers like the plague, but... Um, All I told you is that at one point, Kirk says that he wants to rip the bangs off his spa, which is really funny. I... I really liked it. I don't think it was as good as the first. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, they end up going, well, you know, what was it? I said that... It, I liked that they freed themselves from the mythology in the first one with the alternate timeline, um, but then it just seemed like they kind of painted themselves back into a corner by kind of beholding to some of the mythology from the original film series. I disagree. I think that it is reasonable to expect that some of the same problems they encountered in the first mythology are going to present themselves, albeit in a different way, in the second mythology. Who didn't want to see J.J. Abrams helped Khan? I mean, the minute he said that, I got goosebumps, and that was... I, I must have almost fallen. I was literally using the edge of my seat. And I will give you my theory on why I also enjoyed it, and didn't, but did not think it was as good as the first one. Why I think that is, is because you went into the first one with mediocre to no expectations, because you had no idea how it was going to do this, and it ended up being awesome. Yep. So now you're going into the new one with high expectations. 
So that's why I think that, to me, it was not as good as the first one. However, man, lens flares. Oh, God, opening lens flares. Opening shots, lens flares. Um, you know, you're... Uh, I mean, is he just doing it to irritate people now? I mean, I thought it was more of a style thing in the first one, but there's just so much it, in the second one. It makes me itchy about his Star Wars. It makes me itchy about his Star Wars, because you're going to you be know, able you're, to... You're teasing robot, spider-robot, laser can Chewbacca. It'll be fun. That has become, quote, legendary... Um, I was reading about an article, um, Joss Whedon just recently did a commencement speech where he opened up with, you know, you're all going to die. That was his, um... Well, it's, it's pretty true. Yeah. You can't tell me, you know, to quote Tosh, I know, <laughs> I know, I realize what I just said. You're telling me a dose of reality isn't a good thing for a graduating class? No. <laughs> um... No, and it, it, his whole point was that, you know, you have a responsibility to the world to, to add something and make it better. Um, and uh, I'd be lying if, if I didn't say that, you know, death is a driving force of creativity if you just want to leave your mark on the world. Well, isn't that the, the theory of, uh, that all the two main driving forces are death and sex? Yep. Yep. Um, I was going to say, and in my head, greed is just another form of sex or lust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greed and power, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, go ahead. But no, um, it turns out that uh, even in, uh, I think, a, a Q&A afterwards, um, you know, a lot of people had to ask Whedon questions, and I guess he brought up several different points, and he had talked about, you know, a Firefly Kickstarter, and uh, that's dead. Um, dead in what way? Like, Fox doesn't want to relinquish the right? He doesn't. Who owns? Okay. He, he's like, it, he goes, it it's a matter of one thing with expectations and he actually ended up bringing up Arrested Development where he goes um, you know you're always worried that it's not going to be as good after time or you know and everyone else is doing everything else and Fillion being on um, Castle yeah Murder He Wrote and um, <laughs> that's what it is um, um, I will admit that Castle is one of those series I'm waiting to end before I watch any of it because it seems like something I would enjoy more if I watch it in chunks so I can just kind of get into the mindset. I, I think if they did, like, if they gave him a Red John, um, not that I watched The Mentalist, but I know of it, I, 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 I think I could... To explain Red, Red John on The Mentalist, he, well, he was like a carny, the, the Mentalist is like a carny con man type. Um, reads body language and, you know, deduces things. So it's a less boring... I mean, I was going to say, so it's a more boring version of Psych. Sure. Uh, yeah. I no, Psych that. isn't... He's actually psychic, right? No. In Psych, he just reads body languages and small clues. He's yes. He's basically like an, a great detective. However, because the police won't believe him in these type of things, he pretends that he is psychic. E yes. He doesn't... In Mentalist, he doesn't pretend he's psychic. He He's just kind of proven himself... You know, to that, be really good yeah. at figuring out these two. Um, he's like the profiler or the closer. He's just really good at making yeah. these leaps of logic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and anyway, sorry, his, back to Red John. I think wife and child, I think it was his son, I can't remember. Uh, but his wife and kid get killed by this, uh, by the eponymous um, Red John, uh, who's like a, kind of a Jack the Ripper type serial killer where, you know, he marks his crimes and he's very prolific and no one knows what he's uh, looks like, and he kills anyone associated with him, uh, you know, afterwards. Um, so he's constantly chasing after this character over seasons, and he gets closer and closer, and um, you know, I think at the last season finale, for someone who doesn't watch it, I seem to know a lot about it. Um, the, you know, 
downside of always being on the internet. Uh, you know. Like, yeah, he had, like, whittled the list down to, like, five people that he was, like... That has to be one you know. of these five. Yeah, well, at, at one point, like, Red John contacts him and says, you know, we've shaken hands in the last year. Shook hands? Sh- what did I say? Shaken? Yeah. Yeah, it's we... Not, we... It was going to say, it's not a baby. No. <laughs> I shook your hand and gave it brain damage. No, um... <laughs> uh... Okay, so... But, yeah, so so anyway, so I think in Castle, like, I think if they gave him, like, a Red John or a, uh, or a, a Moriarty asking, to, to... You're asking them to essentially give him a permanent nemesis. Yeah, well, it... I've been really... Fa- I lately, I've been... Actually, I've been rereading... Uh, I've been reading. I haven't been rereading. I, I've been reading The Court of Owls, um, the Scott Snyder run on the new Batman... And it's gotten me thinking of a lot of stuff because I, I ended up coming up with a, a Batman character um, a couple years ago. And I don't think I realized why I came up with them, but I was thinking, I was like, you know, um, I was really, like, the duality of, and like the opposites. Like, I, I, I was thinking of like, well, what's, you know, like, what's the exact, I mean, Sherlock has Moriarty and the Mentalist has Red John. Um... And, and you say Batman and the Joker, but it's like, okay, the opposite of a bat is not a clown. Like, that doesn't that doesn't work. Like, I, I get psychologically where they're all coming from, and it's control versus chaos. And Okay, well, what is your version of Batman's ultimate nemesis? Well, now, it's funny because this is kind of a two-part answer. Um, Which, by the way, we do eventually need to circle back around into darkness. Yeah, well, <laughs> I that's why we record these, so we, we know where we're going. Um, I will say one in, in back cor- to the whiteboard. Bitches. Back to the whiteboard, bitches. Sorry, it's go gonna ahead. be a new thing. Um, well, now that you've announced it, it's not gonna take. Well, now it's becoming one of the uh, one of the drinking games. Is is you know when we say back to the whiteboard, or bitches. Let's move on. Or yeah, or let's move on. Or when I say spoiler alert. Um, you know, people don't believe me when they say I'm the straight man in this in this duo. I, well, I you know. I'm both. I'm Laurel and Hardy to myself a lot of the times, um, like when I was singing about sticky notes at work. But we'll not get on that right now. Okay. So, anyways, um, what's bad? No. So, so, so Scott here? Snyder did the Court of Owls, which was really cool because owls are a bat's natural predator, and he was kind of like, oh, well, that's we can play on the duality of that. And it was. Well, that, it's interesting that they also owls because owls are known for being, you know, symbols of wisdom and. Um, well, Guardians, if that means. I, I was going to say, if I'm correct. Yes, and I think um, Scott Snyder, uh, and, and I'm only presuming here, um, but I think uh, what, I think he looked up. Um, do we need? Do you no, need we to, don't need to stop. Go ahead. Okay, there's a cat horfing up a hairball about mm, six, seven feet away from us right now. Be nice to Princess Sasha. He got into some Indian food yesterday. Oh lord! Well, then I'm glad that I can't see what's happening right now, because um, then I would oh, I'm sure it's similarly funny. have a hairball. Um, okay, so court of owls. So yeah, thank you, court of owls. <laughs> you were worried about Star Trek while a cat vomits next to us. Um, next to us, nothing. So within proximity. Um, so I think what he did was he went, okay, owls natural bat predator. And then went, okay, now, if you take Batman, like, what would kind of be the opposite of him? And it's like, Batman's obsessed with, like, knowing every nook and cranny of Gotham City. And this Court of Owls, this conspiracy has been, 
like hidden under Gotham or in abandoned buildings for hundreds of years. If you think about that, that's totally correct because Batman is very much a knowledge is power. Yes, type of guy. Yeah. and it's something that he didn't know and that they did know, and it's Probably that they've drive been him a little bit insane. Well, and they had, I guess, been like, no pun intended, courting Dick Grayson before he became. So uh, all of a sudden, it starts becoming more and more personal as they go. But so they're trying to undermine his confidence, yeah, so to speak, or but, his his security and his his knowledge and his knowledge, yeah. So they're literally oh, kind of an okay. like they're kind of it's. It's like the they're two different picking, kinds like said, of. They're, they're picking at the core of his being. Absolutely. Hmm. Now my guy was, um, and thank God this is all. At this point now, copyright protected. The minute I say it on this, um, my guy was was uh, I don't know if this would have been the name I would have gone with. Was called the Anti Joker, and instead of you creating, would have not gone with that name. No, I wouldn't. Absolutely have. not. Um, it is forbidden, Doug. I forbid it. The anti-Joker is not good. It doesn't sound good. The anti-Joker um, I, I can't do, and I can't do um, anti-Venom because that's a character. Um, the anti-Joker in my head is like this really dry guy who likes to wear charcoal suits and goes off. No, he an was. Accountant and, that's just me. Then. If you combine like an Armani suit with the Scarecrow costume, that's kind of where I was. He's very drab. I might have. Well, I I had a character called the Straight Man. And I might have ended up using that name for him. Um, that would have made more sense. Although but he was he, obsessed. This great man to me sounds like some homophobic Chad bro douche. But he was obsessed with eliminating duality. He. Um, Which he, is interesting since he wanted to, is a core part of human nature. Well, but he wanted to take. He he would. It it started as a string of like attacks on supervillains, where he takes out Two Face because it's like. He one person, one face. Like I said, he doesn't like the duality. He takes out the Riddler. Uh, one question, one answer. Like, no wordplay. Um, and then, of course, Batman and the Joker are targets because it's like, they're kind of this... In the mythology of Batman, they're kind of the same, you know, two sides of the same coin, and he's like, no, that coin, no. Bad. So, um, and I think I, I had, had him, like, attack Killer Croc just as a red herring, because... Um, and maybe I could have pulled it off, is that it's like, well, you're either man or reptile, you can't be both. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a very, like, the opposite of Joker, where instead of seeing things in a myriadly schizophrenic way, he goes, no, there's A to B, and that's it. And anything that disrupts that black and white, gone. Um, how we got here from Star Trek, don't know, but... Um, I'm sorry, I was thinking it was some kind of like weird brave new world type of thing going on where we're all on soma is that uh, brave no, new world no i was yeah, thinking was about you know the the very a to b no no gray i was gonna say it seemed very brave new world or 19 oh that's where well more brave new world because then they wear gray and they had the grades a yes, b and c I'm, I'm, am i reading too much it was, a, it was a numbers it's been a while since I watched it. I feel like it was numbers and not grades. Crap. I can't. Was that the one where they were grown? That was Brave New World, wasn't it? They were I'm grown. I'm going to reread it now. It's been so long since Just I don't read the sequel. It. There's a sequel? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm writing it down on my, my Hallmark whiteboard. Reread Is, Brave New World. Okay. I don't know how this, long it'll take me to get there, though. All, all ties back to the first podcast where I say I'm a huge fan of dystopian... Um, sci-fi. And then I say I want to drink my victory chin and throat punch. And, and, and strangle a frole. <laughs> I thought it was throat punch, but we can mm. go with strangle. Mm. It's strangle. Okay, sorry, so back um, to Star Trek. 
into darkness. Okay, I love love the scene when you're actually seeing Spock kind of have a relationship fight. Because it's so funny. It was such a nice moment of, of, of brevity. This, yeah, the st- especially the scene right before that. It was like, are you guys fighting? What How is that, that e- even like? What is that even like? Because you think about it, what would it be like to fight with Spock? Because you're emotionally angry about some action that he's taking. And he's, he's being... gonna He's going to logic it to you. And you're like, well, you know what? Logic doesn't necessarily have to be present in this argument. There is very little logic that actually comes into human emotions, especially in a romantic setting. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I I like that they kind of put, like, they kind of pushed forward the the relationship between Spock and Ohura, because it's, it's something where, obviously it wasn't in any of the original stuff. Um, and the minute I saw it in the first Star Trek, in the reboot, I was like, really, they got those dating? Like, that's weird but I'm like it actually kind of you makes can, sense to me well, and you can, she's a highly intelligent woman who's very trained in communication yeah and not just languages but actual communication and so it made sense to me that she might be able to speak more to the human side of Spock I suppose that's just me but that was my internal logic on that and she also kind of she, she asked him to step out of his comfort zone yeah which he does at the end of the movie man does he do it at the end of the movie yeah um um, by the way, fuck you, and I'm assuming it's Damien Lindelof, fuck you Damien Lindelof for having Spock yell Khan at a completely inappropriate moment where you can't laugh. You are not in the emotional point, the emotional state to laugh when Spock curses Khan's name to the heavens. Was it? I didn't think it was inappropriate. I didn't say it was inappropriate, I said it was an inappropriate time to laugh. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm like, I can't laugh. That's really funny and completely awesome. Um, it's it's like I, I had said earlier uh, off the record that uh, I got visibly tense because I wasn't able to pause the movie in the theater to text you that I thought. Um, and I got really excited um, that I was like, oh, in this scene there are two people that voice Batman. Um, <laughs> and that's when I said I really wish that they would have done doodling Batmans because that's something that I would want to hear. And that, uh, if you're wondering, it's uh, Bruce Greenwood who plays uh, Captain Pike, voiced Batman in um, both the Young Justice uh, cartoon series and uh, and Batman in um, Under the Red Hood. And the scene that they're in is the, um, I was going to say, collections in, of captains and first officers in the Federation after the yeah, in Star Trek, terrorist it's, attack it's, in the archive. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's Bruce Greenwood, and then you've got um, Peter Weller who... Um, voice Batman in the adaptation of Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Returns, which I'm just gonna say, if you guys haven't seen that, do it's it's just epic. Um, it's, like I said, I wanted to hear them do dueling Batmans because they're not the same Batman, so to speak. So I kind of wanted to hear their mental, or I was gonna say, mental version of Batman as well, in where Batman is in his life, kind of go head to head. Well, I, I don't know. Have you ever heard of? Um, have you ever heard of the comic All-Star Batman and Robin? I don't believe so, no. Um, a little bit of backstory. Marvel went and did this thing called the Ultimate Line, um, where they basically rebooted um, their major franchises and modernized them. So Peter Parker wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider. It had been, like, uh, genetically altered. So, you know, it's like they used, like, current science and, you know... Um, they kind of updated everything and, and done Ultimate Spider-Man. You mean and, that when people get exposed to gamma radiation, they just die instead of getting awesome powers? They actually did, um, before you saw it in um, the Ed Norton Hulk, 
um, they had done that the Hulk was a uh, uh, an irradiated, I think it was an irradiated sample of the super soldier serum. Okay. Um, so that, you know, it made sense that he would become the Hulk because it was like he was trying to make a body better and that's... Okay. The Hulk is... It, you find out in the ultimate continuity that the Hulk is ultimately um, adaptable to the point where Tony Stark puts him in a, a container that um, uh, simulates um, interstellar um, atmospheres, oh, okay. and they put him in like uh, like Jupiter's, Jupiter's like atmosphere, simulated Jupiter, and obviously. like he starts like his muscular system starts like hardening and his like lungs develop differently as he turns into the Hulk to like adapt to that environment where it's like the Hulk's not just big and strong he's and angry down, like he's it's incredibly he's incredibly adaptable, adaptable and okay. that's what the Hulk is and um but anyway because I could go on and on about the ultimate universe well back um, to Star Trek oh, uh so they did because I want to wrap up and then we'll, this will tie back into Batman back into Star Trek um so oh, they did the nerd flowchart the nerds yeah it's I'm telling you, it's just full of Donnie Darko time guts up in my brain. Um, but, uh, uh, that uh, they'd done All-Star Batman, and that was in the same universe as Dark Knight Returns, and it was kind of showing how the Batman from Dark Knight Returns started, and he has this rant about where Dick Grayson, who he basically abducts, um, he saves him, but he, it's basically kidnapping. Um, and, uh, he says something about like, yeah, this is the Batmobile, and Dick Grayson goes, "That's a stupid name for a car," and he goes off on this profanity-laced tirade about how he can call his goddamn car whatever he goddamn wants because he's the goddamn Batman, and the goddamn Batman became this huge thing, and it was like at first it was reviled, and then it was laughed at, and now I'm sorry, but like people go, "Yeah, I'm goddamn Batman," and I'm like, it's empowering. So you'd really have um, Peter Weller just looking at Bruce Greenwood and calling him a wet-nosed punk who couldn't cut the mustard, and he's the goddamn Batman, which I would just love to hear. Not dueling Batman. Dueling Batmans. Um, Something I've always wanted to hear. Yeah. Exactly. Wet-nosed punk. Um, but into darkness. Um, how did you think of Benedict Cumberbatch? In the he did really good. I I was really excited. Um, knowing him from BBC Sherlock, I love Sherlock, that I I what I was impressed on, and I was talking to this to a coworker, um, that he could go from like zero to sixty. It was really impressive that he would go from kind of high-minded intellectual, to some extent, you know, manipulative when he was in the in the in the like the science cell, science uh, science cell, um, and then. You know, you'd have like five minutes of screen time, and suddenly he's like savagely beating the people on the USS Vengeance. Well, that's why he's supposed to be, be quote unquote Superman, so yeah. to speak. The, I was going to say the Uberman. Now, my issue with with Khan in terms of how how Uber he was, um, and I, I thought this while I was watching it was just and one, yeah. So spoilers galore on this. I was so psyched that. The minute they crashed, or the minute they land on Kronos, um, and you see like the raiding party of the Klingons, I was like, "Oh shit, we're gonna see Klingons!" And um, the reveal on the Klingons—you only see one of them. Um, you really only see one without a mask. So about the styling on the Klingons, love the piercings. I like that they made it more tribal. Like I said, because in my head, 
Klingons would be incredibly tribal, so they would totally be into piercings and scarification and I, branding. I, now, you know, if I could be a fly on the wall, or if I could have gotten my voice heard, J.J. Abrams is not returning my calls. Um, block block me on block me on Twitter. Have, have you even tried? Did he block you on Twitter? No, he didn't. Block I was going to say, Dad, what did you um, do? But uh, <laughs> just said blue lens flare effect and caps every ten minutes at him. Um, I feel like if we made that a drinking game, we might die of alcohol poisoning. We'd be yeah, the first one alone. Like almost as bad as the Django N word game. Oh, that was I. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, Anyways. Uh, that that yeah, Khan is is, is you know an, an Ubermensch, um, but uh, I was not thrilled by how fast the Klingons were taken down. Like they weren't taken down fast by Kirk, Spock, or Uhura, and I was like, okay, yeah, they're obviously like a war tribal people, a warrior tribe, but how fast they were taken down, I was really not upset about, but it was like you know they. For, for someone who's kind of this who they've set up through dialogue in Into Darkness as being kind of kind of a boogeyman character where you know there, there's an encroaching war which is how I knew Kirk wasn't going to die because they couldn't do the third one in Search for Kirk it was going to have it's going to be the, the war with the Klingons um, which the minute I saw the Bird of Prey ship I got I freaked out um but, uh, yeah, I just wasn't impressed by how fast I got taken down, and it was like... And I think that was supposed to just represent how much... Of a badass Cumberbatch was, exactly. or, uh, Khan was. Well, and he had the... Uh, I get it that he had the element of surprise and, and superior weapon. Yeah, I was like, superior fireball. You know what I'd really like to th- see, and you're allowed to laugh at me like this, I would like to see the Klingons and the Dothraki from Game of Thrones go head-to-head in hand-to-hand combat. Who were the Darth... Oh, were the, uh, that was They're the guy the, who, uh, uh, he, um... Jason Momoa was the leader of the Dothraki people. And was gonna say he, he was the warrior tribe. He knocked yeah. up the dragon girl, right? That would be Daenerys, but yes. Yeah. I, was um, say, I would like to see, because they're both supposed to be these incredible warrior tribes. I want to see them go hand-to-hand in combat. Just, yeah. Did you get goosebumps when, when the Klingon like lifted Ohura? Were you just like, he could crush her skull right now. Like he's He could just... And a lot of skull crushing in, in Star Trek, now that I think about it. Um, yeah. Because he, uh, he pops Marcus, and he pops... Oh, no, he almost pops. Um, oh, and you're gonna love what I'm about to say next. Um, uh, he almost pops Spock. Now, did you think this? Maybe it was just me, but when Spock put, he tried to like mind meld okay. with Khan. Now, do you remember that when they were fighting? Okay. Did you think? I honestly thought this, and you might kick yourself for not thinking of this. Did you think he was gonna like upload Pike's? Like death, like the way like the crow did to that guy at the end. That was what I was like. Oh, that's. Things. I can't believe you just referenced the crow when we're talking about Star Trek. It made sense. And no, I didn't. However, I also had a sneaking suspicion that Khan's mind was going to be too strong for him to be able to succeed doing the mind meld. My other thought was, why the hell was Spock mind melding with Pike when he was dying? That just seems like a bad. Yeah, but if you idea. look, no, but if you look at his face, it's so childlike. Where he's like, I don't. Like he understands his own ideas and feelings about death, but to understand someone else's would seem like like the, the, like the logic, the intellectual you think it was side more of him. About curiosity, than absolutely. Things? Okay, like I said, because it just to and me when a, he did that, my first thought was why. It's like wanting to read every book in the library is just to get 
Okay, fair the enough. Knowledge. I will admit, I actually, for the most part, read unbiasedly. I'll read about everything anybody gives to me, good or bad. Unfortunately, that means I read a lot of really terrible books. I'll give you the new Polonic. You'll be less than thrilled. <laughs> Considering that I threw snuff across the room, yes. Yeah, you're going to love Damned. Well, you may not want to give me your copy then, because it may suffer some abuse. And I personally, I think throwing things when you're angry or upset with them is stupid, but sometimes books just make me that angry. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So I, I was going to say, I don't think I have any other... Oh, I was going to say, I actually went and rewatched the original uh, Star Trek II after I'd seen this one in the theaters. Okay. Rewatched that one. And as you and I had talked about off-podcast, I had recently watched K-19, The Widowmaker, with uh, Harrison Ford and Liam Neeson. Very uplifting. Mm-hmm. I told you it was really depressing. And I was really interested I mean, in the fact that that's where the original story... Well, at least one of the plot points in Khan came from. And those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a uh, Soviet sub that goes out into training and has a uh, nuclear reactor coolant malfunction. And they basically have to sacrifice some of the crew to repair it and try and save the rest of the crew. Just like in Star Trek II, when Spock sacrifices himself to try and repair the reactor. Needs of the few. Exactly. And I was going to say, and something similar happens in the new Star Trek. I was going to say, but it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I like that they drew from real-world events to work on this, but, man, that movie's so depressing. Well, if you watch Every the time I watch K-19, I'm just like, oh, God. Every time? Jesus Christ, lady. I like submarine movies. No. I've oh, you watching, like submarine. I've been watching Hunt for Red October. Again, the original Jack Ryan. I love that movie that so Alf much. that Alec Baldwin again, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Because you know what's better than Sean Connery trying to pretend to be a Russian? Alec Baldwin doing a Sean Connery impression of him trying to be a Russian. Awesome. Ryan, some things in here don't react well to bullets. No, oh, Lord. Classic. No, like I said, I do like submarine movies. Can you lot, name so all like three actors that play Jack Ryan? Harrison Ford. Not, Alec, obviously not chronological right yeah, now. Yeah, Harrison Ford, Alec Baldwin, and um, Ben Affleck. Oh, very nice. I was going to say because we talked about Ben Affleck last week. Um, I was going to say, I do like submarine movies. I like, um, God, U571. I like, um, what was the one with Denzel Washington? Uh, about, right? uh, Red, not Red Tide. Um, Crimson Tide? That's, yeah, I wanted something like that. Was it Crimson Tide? I'm not 100% sure, but I love Hunt for Red October. But that it's something my, Tide. Yeah, I was going to say, Hunt for Red October is my number one. Uh, submarine movie for obviously obvious reasons that and you know the reveal at the end it's the goddamn cook yeah which what is it oh yeah when he figures out the cook is the saboteur oh lord yeah and, oh, t- I was gonna say and they have oh great now I can't think of his name it's gonna come back oh they have Tim Curry as a Russian officer in Hunt for Red October I think he's the the morale and propaganda officer I don't remember I don't I've got it to forever since I've seen Hunt for October Yep, and he's uh, n- he's nicely recuperating from his yes, I heard ma- major stroke. Well. well, he's not as young as everybody thinks he is. Oh no, no. He, I mean, he's aged really well. Probably not now if you look at him, but. Um, well, I mean, but he looks like he's aged. He's got to like be. Man of his age should age. He hasn't completely gone to shit, but he's let himself age pretty gracefully. He's got the wrinkles and the crow's feet. Yeah. He's gonna say he's put on a little bit of softness, but not a but, crazy yeah. amount. Um. So you like sub movies? Mm-hmm. What's your what's your take on uh, Down Periscope? It had its moments. <laughs> but then again, I also liked uh, Steve Martin's redo of Sergeant Bilko. Gotcha. Oh, I like to be uh, basically sleep-deprived when I watch those, so everything's funny. Like, kind of in the Monty Python mindset. 
That was uh, it's funny you bring up Monty Python because I brought it up yesterday when uh, I was going to surprise you with uh, doing that Dawn of the Dead parody poster. And um, I went, oh, she'll never expect it. That and the Spanish Inquisition. And like everyone just stared at me and I'm like, there's, it's from the, never mind. Never mind. Um, and I will say that, you know, that's something that goes through my head whenever I do one of those uh, parody posters, which when everything's up and live, you'll be able to see. And I'll post them as, as the episodes go up so you can, you know, play along. Um, you can play along at home, kids. You can, yeah, you can see the pictures of what we're talking about. Um, I don't know what that voice was. Um, but I honestly, I, I really want, like, other podcasters to, to, like, follow us and go, no matter what you think of them, you gotta admit, they've got, like... Entertainment. Yeah, right? like, good pictures on their website. You um, know what's extra funny, though, is that since you keep putting sunglasses on me and everything, I'm kind of turning into the man with no eyes from Cool Hand Luke. I like to think of it as you're turning into uh, Chevy Chase's disguise from The Invisible Man. No. No, actually, I was thinking, was what, was the, the, what was the name of that Kevin Bacon movie? Was it uh, Kevin, Was it Hollow Man? Hollow Man. Man, I hated that movie. Not, not because it was bad, just because it made me sad. But it's what, like, okay, yeah, he becomes, like, criminally insane. And I hate to say this, but I think, you know, when people go, oh, boy, I had superpowers, I'd be super... I, what's the Joss Whedon answer on that? The character that could speak any language? What? Yeah, they asked Joss Whedon once, and he was some character whose name is escaping me, but he could speak any language. Cypher. Yeah, he wanted to be Cypher. And he said it's, it's kind of a boring option, but I actually think it's a good choice. But I, I think that, um, and I've thought long and hard about superpowers. Um, I, I know, I've narrowed it down Although, to two. Is a skill more than a superpower? Well, no, it's that Cypher, he... I mean. Cypher, he um, innately knows um, any language, and that includes um, technology. Babblefish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but up it to, like, he can understand, like, computer code. He can look at an alien, like, ship and innately kind of understand how to pilot it. Um, like, he understands, that like, alien languages. Like a skill to me, but okay, continue. Sorry, what, what superpower did you want, Doug? Um, oh, I've narrowed it down to two, actually. Um... It would either be um, all of the speed power is inherent with uh, after Wally West goes to the speed force and comes back. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of um, kind of peripheral speed power. So you don't just um, move fast, but you can think fast. You can um, lend or steal um, speed to things. Um, you know, and then I, I just, I just, speed is, would be fantastic. Um get to places really quick. Um, I thought about teleportation on that one for a while, but it's it's really it's someplace you don't want to play tourist. Uh, I feel like teleportation as, as Mimic would make said, you chubby. As, huh? I feel like teleportation would make you chubby. Well, it depends on what you do when you're not teleporting, but yeah. Um, but there there's a line from a comic called Exiles where um, the character who, uh, guess what his power is? He's called Mimic. Um, and he can permanently absorb... Well, he can mimic your power, um, or he can, if he's around you long enough, he can um, absorb your power permanently up to five, I think, powers. Wait, isn't that in Heroes, too? Um, yeah, you kind of have that with Siler and um, and Peter Petrelli, where uh, he kind of empathically ha takes on the power. Um, but isn't it temporary? His? Not Siler, Peter Petrelli, isn't it temporary? Uh, 
it's temporary unless I think he, well he could like he you like they, they talk really about this a lot about today. um that's fine um he uh he at first he thinks it's only when they're around and then no, uh remember he learns it's kind of like flexing a muscle yeah 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 he kind of you have to think about what they made you feel yeah 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 okay and then he can um well and then he loses that power his dad played by Robert Forrester ends up uh stealing that power and he ends up powerless, and then he takes, um, they manage to, like, s- synthesize a serum that will give you powers, and he injects himself to save a plane full of, it's, it's very metaphorical that they, they've rounded up all the powers, and it's bags over their heads, and they're sedated, and it's very Abu Ghraib, and, um... I'm so annoyed that that writer strike basically killed that show. Yep. Because I really enjoyed um, the very Well, the third season was fairly convoluted. Um, but like I said, it was it was one of those things where the writer strike just it killed, killed it. that show. And um, don't get me wrong, I'm very pro writer strike. I understand everything that they wanted, and they totally deserved it. But man, did it kill heroes! Yeah, it did. Um, but yeah, he ends up being able to only like absorb one power through touch at a time. But um, so Mimic has this line where he loses one of the powers, and uh, he can either absorb uh, like uh, flame manipulation for flight or. Um, or teleportation, and he says, like, they go, oh, we'll use these powers. He goes, no, these are two where you really don't want to play tourist. And it's funny because that really informed me of, like, well, if I actually had the powers, like, you know, realistically, like, how, you know, Useful. and in terms of teleportation, I mean, you do have, it's a risky thing where if it's not line of sight, you could end up in the middle of a wall and die. Just, you know, every time anybody says teleportation in my head, I hear Banff. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I was, when you one. said, when you get fat, I went, no, no one's ever seen this, you know, no one's seen a fat nightcrawler. Um, that would sure. be, that would be depressing. That would be a depressing. Oh, man. A fat nightcrawler. It was really funny because in my head, I'm like, I'm sure nightcrawler works out. And then I saw him. Oh, and this will take us to our He's next always topic. working out. You like always said, see him in the danger room. Like I said, I, I'm sure nightcrawler works out. And then I imagined him doing the arrow workouts. We'll get there. <laughs> Um, Sorry, that's like I said. I'm just imagining Nightcrawler do that, especially with his tail. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Ew, God, you just got into a whole new level of gross sex. That wasn't gross sex. I'm talking about him working it's out. It's Um. Oh, there's something else I wanted. To but uh, jot it down. Oh. Um. But no. Uh, uh. So you know, like the Speed Force, sp- speed, um. Or telekinesis, mm-hmm. because. You can block projectiles, so effectively become bulletproof. Um, you can fly because you can lift yourself up, it's move things like with your cover, mind. But okay. No, I mean if you practice enough that you can lift heavy objects, you could lift yourself and give yourself the ability. To, I mean, in my head, it'd be more not so much flying as a knack of not hitting the ground. It would be yeah, it'd be very much the Douglas Adams throw yourself at the ground Proud and miss. Not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I did not like the further books in that series, but that's me. Um, Fair enough. Once again, I'm at a loss on how we got from from Star Trek to superpowers. Um, but uh, but I like the new Star Trek. It it wasn't bad. Like I said, I'm I'm itchy to see what they're gonna do for the third ones. I, I kind of want to see a Lord of the Rings esque war movie between that and the uh, well, the third the Return of the Rings was was you know. I'm not, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan by any stretch of the imagination, and I know a lot about it because I have to, um, with friends and just being a pop culture, 
you know, pop cultureist, but um, I would say pop culture sponge. Yeah, um, but my friend Rob was like, "Oh, well, if you didn't like those, like you're gonna like the third one." And I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "Because it's nothing but a giant war." And I was like, "Great." Um, and the only thing that can ever ruin a fun war, um, if I may be so bold as to say, is Legolas sliding down the trunk of a mastodon like Fred Flintstone. Okay, um, I thought that was fine. However, the 17 unnatural endings after that was irritating beyond belief. Never watched any of the extended stuff. Um, even I thought, I had a friend, a very close friend who was is a Lord of the Rings fan, we went to go see the midnight showing of, of Return of the King, mm-hmm. where um, three specific moments happened. One, I said "yabba dabba do," very a little louder than I thought I did uh, during the, the aforementioned Legolas moment. Um, oh, I just realized something else we need to talk about with Star Trek. Two, I revealed myself to not be a fan when I went, "Oh, oh, Aragon's the king," and someone went, "That was in the first movie," and I went, "Yeah, but that was like six months and nine hours a movie ago." That was way more than six months. Or well, were they, well, they were simul filming it or whatever, weren't they? It was still more than six. Was months. it okay? Oh yeah, because they were once a year, weren't they? Exactly. So it was a year and nine nine hours a movie ago, um, and then both of us, someone who does not like Lord of the Rings, and someone who did, were watching Elijah Wood with the Ring at Mount Doom, and both of us were kind of like, God, Jesus, just drop it already, like. You've spent three movies walking to do this. I understand there's the temptation to hang on to it. Did you ever happen to read any of the books or happen to read The Hobbit? Um, I I read The Hobbit. Um, so which, you, 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 and they build in The Hobbit how hard it is to give yeah. up the ring. Um, and the, the ring basically ingrains in your soul and puts roots down. Well, it's, yeah, isn't that what sickens Gollum or whatever his Hobbit name was? Um, Gollum wasn't a hobbit. Yeah, he was. Well, originally he was. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. And then he had his and, little. And, egg, say, and then, then, then the ring gave him eczema, and I was going to say, and also Bilbo. And a speech impediment. I said Bilbo had a lot of problems with the ring. Yes, my now my issue with the movies is that, and uh, well, I want to wrap up real quick that I did I did read the Hobbit, and I was I I just I I can appreciate Tolkien. He's a great writer. The fact that he did the whole Elven language from scratch. I mean, just astounding. It's it. I just don't like how he writes, and it's it's hard for me to read him. Fair um, and it's not a difficulty level. It's just I don't like how he writes, um, which is why I never got I never got past the Hobbit. So, are you going to go see the Hobbit? Because I will admit, I am not. Fun. I'm not seeing the Hobbit on principle. I have not seen the, the, the first. first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not seeing them on principle based on on this principle um, that uh. Word choice, great on that one. Um, that they did the 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 what is it? The Fellowship of the Rings um, into three movies because it's it three, three books. books. Yeah. And okay, that makes sense. The Hobbit is one book. Fuck, the they Hobbit made they made book. a they made a cartoon about it. It doesn't the need to be. Hobbit is one book that is shorter than any of the Rings trilogy books. Yeah, and they're making it into three movies. And we'll tie this back into Star Trek. Um, that uh, Cumberbatch is going to be the voice of Smog the Dragon. Interesting. Now, I will not go see The Hobbit simply because my dad read me and my siblings that book when we were little, and I don't think that I want to ruin that. I kind of want to keep it in my head as I pictured it as a kid. The the, the Bass Rankin cartoon with Leonard Nimoy singing... I actually did see that. Yeah. 
but like I said, that was actually before my dad read that to me. Okay. And so it's just it's so much better in my head, you know, with the, the childlike imagination than Peter Jackson could ever do on the screen. So I think, yeah, I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't think so. Well, and, and maybe it's just my brain, but I can completely buy Elijah Wood as Frodo. Um, but when I see, and I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head, but the guy that plays Bilbo, all I can see is Arthur Dent from um, Hitchhiker's Guide or the porn guy from Love Actually. Like, it, it just kind of takes me out of the movie. Fair enough. Um, so, I wanted to go back to Star Trek, but in a different way. Okay. Would you like to talk about that trailer that made you angry and the one joke I made about it? Well, let's start. Why don't you start off with the joke? Okay, so, uh, it's what, Elysium? Uh, uh, yeah, Elysium. So, I'm watching this trailer, and it looks goddamn awful. However, during this, I start giggling. Because there's a part where they show Matt Damon, like, kind of wearing this robo He's, like, suits up, yeah. I was going to say exoskeleton. That was a bunch of crap. And I lean over to the friends that I'm in the movie with, and I say, Wow, they really went in a different direction for this RoboCop reboot. And we, of course, dissolve into laughter. Which I, when when you told me that... Um, well, I told you the joke before you seeing the movie. Yes, and, my, my and I got... was, I said that to you, and I said, You'll know what I'm talking about when you see the trailer. Well, I immediately got itch. I really immediately got defensive um, of the joke because I have a massive soft spot for for RoboCop, um, and for you to say that, I was like, "Don't! Ah, it seems like you're shitting on RoboCop," and uh, and she wasn't. So it wasn't. I was, uh, she I was, was shit, shitting shitting only, on this shitty movie. I was gonna say, I was making that trailer into something awesome. It looks so terrible. It looks like. And I think it looks like Minority Report. No, this is I honestly um, betraying my 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 English degree here. I honestly I thought, and it's Harrison uh, Harrison Bergeron goes to war, oh. like that's you know what I mean. It was like it and, and the credits. I like that you're so angry you can't even. The, yeah, I'm it. just well, and the, it when the trailer should, it's like from the I think it's from the director of District Nine. Which I really liked. I, I will admit I haven't watched it yet. Um, I'll watch anything I'll by Tamir. Yes, put that on your to-do list. Because um, Tamir, uh, I think, Bumervtikov, or uh, is a huge, impronounceable Russian last name, but he's the guy that um, adapted and directed um, Nightwatch and Daywatch, which I'm a huge fan of. Did they put out the third one? Um, no. Really? Because I'm not looking for it. Um, but there and there are four books, which is great. Since I thought it's a tr- it was only three books. It, there are four books. Uh, because there's Night Watch, Day Watch, Dusk Watch, and then he did Dawn Watch. Um, so it's a it's a four part trilogy. Peter Jackson must much be like loving the, it. Yeah, said much like the five part. Uh, I was going to say Clerks trilogy. F- uh, it's going to be six parts. You know what I mean, though. Uh, he's doing Clerks three. Oh no, I'm just saying that it was supposed to be a trilogy, and he ended up yeah. Um. But, uh, and so I got really excited because I was like, oh, this, I was like, oh, science fiction movie, director of, you know, um. I loved Nightwatch uh, and Daywatch. Oh, God, I saw that at the, I saw them both, the Mayan. I mean, the, the irritating chalk thing aside. Yeah, that was kind of a weird, it was a kind of a weird MacGuffin to have. Like I said, the irritating chalk thing aside, I enjoyed them both greatly. Um. I just realized I lent those to a friend a couple years ago. He never brought them. I need to stop lending things to this. You need to do the Ted. You need to do the. You're going to end up doing the Ted Mosby thing, where everything someone else has says property of of Deb on it. 
the way that everyone keeps borrowing shit from Ted Mosby and um, well it's just one of those things where I finally got back the shirt that I'm wearing from him but he still has a, I'm gonna sound like such an asshole when I say this my Misfits belt buckle and belt and my Nightwatch tape watch dual disc <laughs> anyway sorry go on um and then the guy from Nightwatch and Daywatch ended up uh, in um in Wanted because it's well it's fuck right. you I liked Wanted yeah. and I read the comic I have the comic in singles. Bloom of Destiny. Fuck. Okay, you win. Um, yeah. Any any time where you can just hear Morgan Freeman get this motherfucker is awesome. Whenever whenever Morgan Freeman talks like Samuel Jackson is just amazing. Fair enough. Um. But yes. So. So Elysium just it, it just angers. it just made me mad. It just looked so terrible. But so do you, do you remember what you said to me? After no, that? I don't. I was gonna say I, I don't I, remember. Said, quote, I had your joke to soothe me and calm me down, but that trailer made me so angry. It just it looked like such a waste of time and money. Like it wasn't even it, it wasn't even like when you see like when you finally see a bad movie. Like I watched and we talked about this before when I watched um, Die Hard Five. Where I'm like, okay, this is obviously just horrible, but I can see why they would have made it, because you've got the John McClane franchise. This doesn't even have a franchise behind it. Like, it just looks like, like, why did you make this? It, it couldn't and I have been... still, even after X amount of movies, have a hard time buying Matt Damon as an action hero. You know what? I'll admit, I watched the Fucking Born the Born series is awesome. I, well, except for the Jeremy Renner one, except for Born Again. Which is really bad because I love Jeremy Renner. Well, it's funny because he goes, "Yeah, they messed with my chromosomes and they gave me like an extra chromosome." And I went, "Can medically speaking, that's Down syndrome." Yeah. They made you a super tard. Okay, can we, can we not say that? Super. Yeah, no, there's no way to take that. Yeah, back. there's I no think way. Yeah. Done. You okay. might be in a timeout. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Uh, so I uh, have been watching the first season of Arrow. I will admit I did fall down an arrow hole for the first half of the week. Unfortunately, between work and my new workout regime, I've had time to do basically nothing for about the last half of the week. So I've only made it through episode 13. Now, I would like to say the first thing that sold me on arrow, and you know what? Shoot me for being a girl on this one. Washboard abs. It was the first time in the pilot episode or in the original episode where he's working out in the warehouse topless. And I'm like, ooh. I'm telling you, I told you, just wait till the last episode when he's, when he's strung up in chains. But like I said, I mean, and I don't know what this piece of equipment is called. He's working out with this uh, ascending almost rack-like uh, apparatus where he has to do a full, uh, I was going to say, has to do a full chin-up with enough force to jump himself in the bar up six inches to catch the next, uh, I was going to say, next, next rung on the rack. But I'm like, wow, that has to take a lot of upper body strength. So between that and the fact that he's wearing leather pants the entire time, and that it has so many Easter eggs with all of this other comic book and superhero knowledge in it... Which, that's what hooked me. Like I said, the first time he says they're opening an applied science division, I totally just started laughing like an idiot because I'd just been watching the Dark Knight series. And I don't know if they meant that to be a reference, but in my head it's totally a reference to that. We're taking your toys! Yeah. Um, What grabbed me with Arrow was that and being a comic fan since I was four, um, I didn't really get into Green Arrow, um, who kind of came into prominence under um, uh, Denny O'Neill, 
Um, and then uh, Mike Grell. Uh, but I didn't get into him uh, until Kevin Smith was brought, uh, resurrected him in the Quiver storyline. And then uh, I think Brad Meltzer followed him after that, and that was really good. Um, and I, I kind of dropped off, even though uh, Judd Winnick is an amazing writer. I uh, was doing really good things. I just I was uh, focusing on other books. But, but I um, mean, in the pilot episode of Arrow, other than the fact that Captain Jack Harkness plays the lead bad guy, the well, yeah, the well-dressed men will say to, to avoid some spoilers. Like I said that he plays the lead bad guy. What in the first episode of Arrow kind of drew you in and made you want to watch? This? Which is because, yeah. I mean, when you say oh, Green Arrow is going to be on the CW, you're like. Eh. I was a little itchy because I honestly, I when you say Green Arrow is going to be on the CW, I automatically think uh, what's his name, Justin. Uh, I want to say Harnett or Harnell. Uh, uh, the one that he played uh, Green Arrow on um, uh, on Smallville, so I was kind of thinking that they were gonna, you know, kind of, and they had talked about a spinoff for a while with Green Arrow and with Aquaman. Um, I'm sorry, no matter what you do with Aquaman, in my head he's always gonna be lame. Bullshit! I'll show you. I'll show you his uh, his super move from uh, the Injustice, and they make Aquaman cool, and it's it's epic. It's epic. Please tell me you saw the panel on the internet. I want to say it was on Reddit, and it's one with Aquaman riding these flying fish above the water with reins attached to them. And the caption underneath says, Come on, Aquaman. I think we all know this is bullshit. Well, they wouldn't be able to hold... I mean, he... It's... They've done things with Aquaman that... They've they've done wrong things with them, and they've done right things. And Peter David's run um, was great. Um, you've got the death of his son. You've got him losing the hand. I mean, there's some good stuff there. All right, I'm sorry, I didn't want yeah. to distract you from arrows. As sorry. yeah, as I. But John, Berman, if you would have told yeah, me a week ago, I, I would have gotten guy, caught in a passionate defense of Aquaman. I wouldn't have believed you. Like I Maybe not called you a liar, but I, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, no, what grabbed me was um, not only the 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 hook with the conspiracy of of. The Undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is funny because every time The Undertaking, I always think of that poor series, The Event, where they never got to the event. I remember watching, um, I think the first episode of The Event, and just looking over at my girlfriend at the time going, was that The Event? Is that The Event? But was that The Event? It's just like one of those things where um, you're ambitious and you set up a storyline for your series and then you never get there. And you're like, the Aw. Event was pretty pretty terrible. I, I was not a big fan of it, but yes, um, they're teasing the Undertaking. Yeah, which you haven't no, I've gotten only around to. The first half. So you might. I'm sorry, that whole thing about earning money to pay for my cats. Yeah, I know. Um, but my thing was that not only are you invested in like present day um, Oliver Queen, but they hook you with what's going on on the island, which had always kind of been passed by, where it was like, yeah, he was on an island, he. You know, learned and and some writers have explored, explored the, island the island a bit more. But to really like to have like where there were times where I watch Arrow and go, yeah, I don't, I don't really care what's going on with him right now. Like, what the hell's gonna happen next on the island that shapes him into becoming this? And you've got five years of story where really your only sense of time on that is how big his beard is gonna get. Um, Which is interesting because I've been watching Arrow, well, I've been way ahead of him, but I'll sometimes rewatch Arrow with a friend and a neighbor, and he's like, I'm actually a lot more interested in what's happening to him on the island than what's happening to him in Starling City. Well, because when you see him, here you go, when you see him without a shirt on, your takeaway is abs, 
part of my takeaway was like, the scars. are the scars and like, where so did he get them and so how? The and they haven't explained the Brava connection yet. The oh, the Russian mob. Mm-hmm. No, they haven't. No, they've established it, but they haven't explained it. Okay, I'm trying to because I watched it as it was going, so I'm I'm trying to remember what. Um, well, he first goes in search. For well, they do explain one of the scars because you've met. Oh, they explain a few of the scars because you've met. Well, I was say he first when he's very the first, arrow from Yaofei. Which is interesting because man, did it bug me so much the first few episodes when he's walking around with the button-up shirt buttoned all the way to the collar. Yeah, he looks like such a doofus. Well, one, he looks like a douche, and two, it's just one of those things like, dude, you wouldn't just at least undo the collar button. Yeah, be a little more comfortable. Um. And that's the, oh, there was one other thing about the costuming in that that bothers me: the magically disappearing eye makeup. There are so many scenes in there where he sometimes he how did he get the makeup on that quickly? How did the makeup disappear? It bothers me. Well, you know, it, the, I I can explain that how he gets it on. Recognize the chin in the mouth. I recognize the chin in the mouth in dread, dude. Recognize that it was Carl Urbane. How could you not recognize him from just the chin in the mouth? We're not gonna okay, me. On a very happy rant about dread, we're, we'll save. We'll put a pin in later. Um, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that because well, dread was. Have to be for next week. Yeah, yeah, because you you watched it. and We never really touched on it, and I am a, a big uh, 2008 uh, Judge Dread fan. Um, but uh, no, and I has he been? To- I, I don't want to spoil anything, but has he been? He's been tortured at this point, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so you know that there's. Now see, and this is the thing, and well, this is something that you wanted me to bring up, was that there are all these Easter eggs that a comic book, that only a, a diehard fan would have caught. I'm sorry, the Easter eggs can explain how he gets his makeup on so fast, or how it disappears when he well, shows up. Well, the, the way that, the way, the, the fact, the fact that it's not a domino mask, that the fact that it's makeup is, it could be hastily applied. I mean, they, that's how he could get it on so fast. It's okay, not an outright not, mask. It can be hastily applied. However... The part where he gets shot and he ends up in the backseat of Felicity's car, the makeup is gone. You're trying to tell me while he's shot and bleeding in the back of Felicity's car, almost dying, he has time to take off the eye makeup. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember watching it that closely on that one. It's just one of those things. Um, I mean, you're 13 episodes behind the finale, and I was watching it as I was going. It could so. Be a week. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, so that's 13 episodes. That's 13 weeks. That's months ago for me in terms of remembering. When and when he did not have makeup on. But it's still, like I said, um, you, you had to remind me who shot him. him. From, like, the nose, mouth, and the chin, you can't recognize him. Yeah, but really, part of that is the whole Clark Kent glasses thing, where why would, you, why would you think that Oliver Queen is the vigilante? Because, which for me, it's a very short leap in logic to go, he's changed. Why wouldn't he be kind of a weird homicidal vigilante who manages to appear... Right, right at the time that he comes back, yeah, Wait, it's like they explain in one episode where he's under house arrest and then he has Diggle go out. The yes, hood. now and you, yes, so you keep making me come back to the Easter eggs, which is always fun. Um, Diggle is a reference to Andy Diggle, who wrote um, Green Arrow Year One, which is a lot of a lot of his time on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, Felicity Smoke is from the Judd Winnick um, run. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, he nicknames his uh, his sister Speedy, which is uh, Green Arrow's sidekick, who ends up. I mean, if you follow the comics uh, and the show, that you know when the minute Roy Harper pops up, you're like, 
well, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna end up becoming kind of a protege, and they've already started setting that up. Yeah, they've already. Um, and the fact that he keeps wearing a red hoodie, it it's the same. It's interesting though that I knew that he was going to be a recurring character because no mugger is that good looking. I think that all the time. Whenever I see him, I'm just like, really, you're. Well, it's really funny because she's describing him. He's like red hoodie, kind of Amber Crombie looking, and I'm like, Bleh. yes. Yeah. I thought that was pretty spot on. Because um, no mugger is that good looking. No. Um, or knows like parkour and like has he saved? He hasn't. Well, has oh, he? Oh yes, he did. He actually. He saved. Yeah. He saved Thea. Yeah, he saved. Thea. Yeah. Did you watch his fighting style? It's like, yeah, no fucker in like I, the actually, derelict neighborhood is that good looking and knows how to fight like that. There's no way. While he was doing that, I was flashing back to an episode of New Girl where Smitty's jumping around the apartment screaming parkour. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And okay, and the other funny thing is, and this might just be me, when they first introduce Laurel, and they start developing her a little bit. The thought in my head is, you know, they really should have cast her as Katie Holmes' character in the dark. I was going to say in Batman Begins. Visually, I can see it better. Well, uh, just I, because I think she would have visually, and she's actually acting the character pretty well, done a better job than Katie Holmes. And not that Maggie Gyllenhaal did a bad job. They just lit her so badly. Yeah, she was movie. not. Yeah. Do not light that woman from below. My God, like. Like they need to do it head on. Once again, yeah. Angle it makes her look terrible. Yeah, because we've talked about how she's looked in Stranger Than Fiction, and I mean even younger when in Cecil B. Demented. Um, Loved her in Cecil B. Demented. uh, By the way, whoever did I need to look it up, but whoever did the casting on Cecil B. Demented, my God, have an eye for talent. Um. Oh God, yeah, Michael Shannon's in that. No, like like I was gonna say, Adrian. I was gonna say Adrian. Zmed. Yeah, I was gonna say. (laughs) No, that's not true. Adrian Zmed's the other guy from Miami Vice. I want to hurt you right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, whoever did the casting on that, because it has Stephen Dorff in there, and uh, I was going to say Ivor Talent, man. Ivor Talent. Well, I mean, just the young, the, you've got, um, uh, yeah, because you've got Maggie Gyllenhaal, and you've got Michael Shannon, who looks terrifying in Man of Steel. Um, you also have uh, Alicia Witt, although, I mean, frankly, she's been around for forever. Yeah. Well, I know her from the... She was on a sitcom with Sybil. She was in Dune as a little girl. Was she? Yeah. She plays his younger sister in Dune. It's just... She, she can't She was Sybil Shepard's daughter in the yeah. Sybil Shepard yeah. sitcom. But she was also in Four Rooms as Donna's daughter. Yeah, the witches. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be the well, witch. She, yeah. for some unexplained reason, has a black electrical tape over her nipples. Eh. Which is actually a reoccurring thing and a reoccurring uh, image in a lot of my writing. It's almost eerie. Okay, I'm gonna uh, when we finish recording, I'm gonna tell you a thing about that. I just don't want to out a friend's idea on um, the podcast. Okay. Um, but but uh, what other Easter eggs did you notice? I was gonna say because we're gonna talk about the um, and this is kind of a deep pull. I was really impressed by this. Is Yao Fei is the real name of the Celestial Archer character? from The Great Ten, which is a Chinese super team created by Grant Morrison. Yeah, that is a deep pull. Yeah, it's a really deep pull. I love you, Grant Morrison. Um, you've got uh, Eddie Eddie Fires, who's the, I think he's like the, the lead bad guy, uh, the lead antagonist on the island. But he uh, he was a serial killer who redeemed himself and kind of became a, a sidekick of Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you see us, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Wade Wilson, but it's Deadpool. Um, which Deadpool is a a joke as a, a nice nod to Deathstroke, and I'm not going to get into that whole thing. Uh, but Rob Liefeld is. What about, is a, um, but you see Slade. 
What? No, they're setting him up. So they're setting up Slade. Yes, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so they're setting up... Obviously, Slade Wilson is, is the real name of Deathstroke, and the few things I've noticed there is that on the pilot, if you pay attention, you see, like, the mask yes. on, a, on a pike with an eye out of it. And you're like, eventually Slade's going to become Deathstroke, yeah. which I'm very excited to see play out, because um, Deathstroke is one of my favorite characters. Um, right now, he's one of my... He's he's my uh, clutch my clutch uh, player on, on Injustice. Um... <laughs> Uh, Slade, the his partner that he kills is Wintergreen, which is his actual um, companion in the comics. Is okay, Wintergreen? Unfortunately, whenever they say Wintergreen, I really want a sticky gun. That's, I'm with you on that one. No, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad name. I'm just saying the mental association. I think it's his last name. Yeah, it is his last name because he's advertising his. Just I was going to say hammered into me. You say Wintergreen. I'm you think double mint twins? Yeah. I really want a sticky gun. Um. So let's see, there was there was Slade and Wintergreen, Eddie Fires, uh, Felicity Smoke, Diggle, Yaofei. Isn't there um, location Easter Locations, yeah, they yeah. mention, uh, they don't mention Gotham or Metropolis, but they do mention Bloodhaven, which is a um, an outlying city of Gotham where um, the grown-up Robin, Dick Grayson, operates as Nightwing. Um, that got mentioned a few times near the end of the series, so I was very happy. Oh, they mention, uh, uh, I know you're baiting me on some of these because I've talked about it before. Uh, the see, how do I say this without spoiling? But there's a character who comes in, and after a couple episodes, leaves to go back to I want to say it's either Keystone or Central City, um, and she goes, "Yeah, if I, I'll just take the train there and be back in a flash," um, which is a, a fun joke because the Flash operates out of the Twin Cities, Keystone, and and Central City. Yeah. Um, the biggest one for me where I had to pause, or I had, I really freaked out was that. Um, Another MacGuffin is is an earthquake generating machine, um, and it was designed by a doctor named Brian Markov. And this is a really this is another deep pull. But the doctor's name Brian Markov is the real name of the hero Geoforce from Batman and the Outsiders, who uh, has um, terrakinesis or the ability to like move Earth. Um, and he's kind of a kind of a. I think they tried making him cool for. A little while, I think, when they did the new, uh, not the new Fifty Two, but the the Fifty Two, the weekly series, and just they just didn't pull it off very well. Um, but it, it's just funny to have like the names Brian Markov and all that kind of chucked in there. Um, and you're always going to have that when you have um, Jeff Johns uh, working, and um, I think two, one of the guys that writes Arrow or conceptualized Arrow was on. Um, did uh, the Green Lantern movie as well. I want to say there's someone and yeah, that was, you know, I'm not going to say I could have written it better. I could have. I guess I will say that. But for me, it was a, it, it was a, too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, here's the thing and you and I have had this argument before. You know what? Ryan Reynolds, you fucked up two. That's right, two superhero movies. You don't get another one. You fucked up Deadpool and you fucked uh, up Green nah, Lantern. I'm willing I'm willing to disagree halfway. I, I said Ryan Reynolds, you don't get another chance it, here. In the end, I mean, in the end, it's it's a the actors. It, it does fall on directors and and writers in terms of movies. But um, but he Green hard, Arrow fought hard to do Deadpool, and then they just totally fucked it up. Well, they 
I I, I was not that yeah. was probably a little soul crushing for him. Yeah, I was he not thrilled. So hard for the role well, and, and he's like, still fighting. So you know. Well, and he he's fighting, and they're still fighting for an outright Deadpool movie that is closer to Actual the Deadpool, comic yeah. Deadpool than the, the Deadpool than canon. the yeah than the kind of weird Wade Wilson is is not Deadpool. I mean, I had to explain that for half an hour to, to people when we walked out of uh, the original Wolverine movie or Wolverine Origins huh. just so you know if naked Hugh Jackman can't save your movie you're done you know the the whole story about the uh, off off uh, or kind of the um, behind the scenes on that that actually may be a story for another time because we're actually over an hour now oh wow however I did want to say one last thing about Arrow I love the joke, and I can't remember if he just says Green Arrow or Arrow, and they're talking about how the vigilante needs a better name, and he's like, how about Green Arrow? And he's like, no, that's lame. Loved that joke. I don't remember that one, but it seems... Yeah, they're all sitting down at a dinner. Green Arrow, a little on the nose. No, he said, how about the Green Arrow? And immediately, Oliver, Oliver Queen says, that's lame. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that pertains to something that happened on the island, because Yao Fei's wearing a lot of green. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what what happens there. Oh, and they do have you do you haven't met her yet, but um, uh, the 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 archer assassin um, Shadow will pop up, which was another nice nod to uh, the the early Green Lantern or Green Lantern, the early Green Arrow canon. Well, unfortunately, not to hustle you along, and I actually already have two things down for us to discuss next week on the whiteboard. We Excellent. did not clear our whiteboard this week, unfortunately. No, but we did go to it, which is good. We always go to the whiteboard. However, it is now time for our excellent segment called Social Contract Asshole. Social Contract Asshole. Doug, it is your turn this week. This one, um, which is funny because we're both predominantly pedestrians. So I live in the middle of the city. There is zero reason for me to drive, and especially yeah. now that the light rail has been built out. Yeah, and I, yeah, exactly. And I'm public transportation through and through as well. So, but this will get tied to being a pedestrian. But uh, to some smaller extent, a driving protocol where um, I was in a car and someone let us change lanes, and I made sure to look at the driver and say, remember to wave, and she was like, what? I said, it's the acknowledgement of the acknowledgement that letting someone you in. let you, because they don't have to do that legally, they don't have to let you in. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's driving they have the, it's yeah. the acknowledgement that they did something courteous. And I wanted, to, I I think I originally wanted to really just hit on that, but I we had talked uh, before we hit record about the pedestrian side of that, and I, that's what I really want to do, is um, when you have people that drive or, or at a red light and they're over the uh, crosswalk. the crosswalk, and half the people will just stare at you like you're the asshole when you've got the green on that. I will admit that I actually get a lot of people that back up out of my way. However, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the sunglasses and my height. For some reason, and the fact that I have chronic bitch face. Something about me when I walk says, don't fuck with me and get the fuck out of my way. You know, but I like when they when they see it coming and they back up and they kind of wave at you. And, I always and I, and, 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 you and I wave back. Or when, you know, I think cars kind of freak out. When you're not sure who has the right of way and then they gave you the wave to go through the crosswalk, I try and wave I, back. Yeah, absolutely. Go, thank Acknowledge, you. thank you. Um, but it's the people that sit there or the people that... Um, they pull forward even though they have no chance of being able of, to Of being able to turn. And then they look at you like, uh, well, now I'm stuck here. And I'm like, well, you weren't stuck there five seconds ago before you pulled up. Like, and we talked about this when we were off the mic, which is... I only have two pet peeves when I am a passenger. One of which is following too closely, because that's just dangerous. 
and frankly, there's too many there's too many factors on the road where you might need to suddenly stop or suddenly make some type of course correction. Absolutely. Just a dick move, and I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, makes me physically angry when you're in the intersection. How hard is it to make sure you have enough space to pull through the intersection before you do? And you know what? In general, people behind you are going to be conscious of that. They don't want to be stuck in the intersection either. No. No. So, especially when it is rush hour traffic, how much of a douche do you have to be to be in the intersection? Like, I want to ram you. Well, and you're blocking pedestrian way, you're blocking driving way. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I'm... I'm a social contract through safety and, frankly, just common courtesy. Common courtesy. And I'm, I'm the guy that I'll wave cars on so that I make sure that they see me or that I'm acknowledging, like, you, you go. I'd rather well, you I go would, right I'm now. I'll wave cars because on I'm when not, I'm on my phone or messing with my iPod. There's because no I'm not... Oh, I don't do that when I'm, when I'm walking across a crosswalk. It's well, just I do. It's maybe. just there's sometimes when I'm dicking around when I'm like, I'm going to be a minute, just go. Yeah. Um... But in the end, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna win that fight. Not without super speed or telekinesis, um, or the ability to control I, I sea once life. Once had a friend that totally got sucker punched for kicking a guy's car who was blocking through see, the intersection. And, yeah, so I, gonna, I don't do things like that. I was gonna but say, I'm if, not gonna call. I was gonna say, I'll admit, I will call you a motherfucker. And I, I will say in closing, in terms of social contract, asshole. A good treatise on this would be um, read the Immortal Class. I, uh, I can't think of the guy's name that wrote it off the top of my head, but it's about um, the pedestrian and, um, like, pe- uh, pedestrian, like, biker, um, like, bike messenger culture in Chicago. And uh, they talk about how, um, and I think this was in the movie Premium Rush, where they go, the bike lock is not only a way to, like, keep your bike safe, but also a weapon against vehicles. Oh, no, I have a friend who's a motorcycle rider that has the reinforced gloves with the ball bearings in the knuckles to punch cars and car windows when they do something else. Yeah. Um, and, well, I've, I've mellowed out from that, but reading that, I think, in my early 20s was, you know, I don't I don't think cars understand the the flip side of, like, pedestrian culture and pedestrian protocol where... Do you have any idea how many times I've almost gotten run over because people don't look before they try and make a turn? Absolutely. I'm sure you've had it just as much, and especially in snow. In snow, for some reason, they think that the pedestrian rule doesn't exist anymore. It's you so many, still have to yield. It's it's and, well, and it's people in uh, four wheel drive cars that don't realize that that doesn't matter on ice. It doesn't matter on ice. You're gonna slide no matter what. It's physics, and you need to leave enough room. And you know if you don't need enough room for a car, you're not gonna leave enough room for for, for a pedestrian. Yeah. And it's, it all boils down to, and what we're trying to get at with social contract asshole, it's almost golden rule. You know, treat other people how you'd want to be treated, but also go that extra step is treat other people better than you want to be treated. And it goes, and it's it goes... the social contract that boils down to what makes us function as a society is there's a certain level of behavioral expectation. And, and I'm willing to flip that around in, in terms of uh, dick pedestrians. You know, you might have the right of way, but don't necessarily assume that people are going to know that. Don't act that way. Don't get mad at cars when you're doing... If you cross against a light no, I never and someone honks, it's like, you're in the wrong. I will admit I'm an overly conscious pedestrian. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. overly cautious about everything, but that also has to do with the fact that I walk down a street where people die if they don't cross at the crosswalk. Absolutely. Two people have died this year on the street that I predominantly walk to work on because they didn't cross the light or they were drunk and doing something stupid. Exactly. So, just be safe out there in the end. Like I said, social contract asshole. Social contract asshole. Acknowledge people's politeness and pay attention to your own behavior.
All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this week. All right. We have another segment before we close, but we will talk to you next time. All right. Who's that knocking at the door? Why, it's our super villain friend of the show. Hello. Well, we have some listener questions for you if you'd like to answer them. I'd be happy to answer some questions for you. Troy Barnes of Glendale asks, Who is your favorite Game of Thrones character? My favorite character is the little fellow. He uses shadows and deception to get his way. Thank you for listening to the BACN, your home for almost bacon and banjo!